Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, let me invite you to take your Bibles and go with me to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. Last week we, were, we looked at the first opening verses of this, and we're going to jump into it again today. Uh, last week we talked about don't have a cow. Uh, and so this week we're going to talk about when you have a cow, because the reality is, the Bible tells us, for all have sinned and fallen the short of glory of God. Amen? So would you turn, you may have to shout across the aisle, you may have to whatever, but would you turn to those seated around you and go, you're a sinner and you need to hear this. You know, men, I, some of you were very cautious when you looked at your wives when you said that. I'm not sure why that was. But the truth of the matter is, as we started last week, and Greg's helping me again, we find ourselves in this position of sin and selfishness, or we're pulled to God and God's will. The question is, where do we land? And the truth of the matter is, as we said last week, it's not to be dead sinner, but it's to be right here as close as you can to God's will and to God. And you do that by, by spiritual growth, by trusting in God, even when things get uncertain times or when things get rough. But what happens so often is we begin to rely on ourselves, and we begin to slide over here. Or there's things in Scripture that we don't agree with. We don't really know why we don't agree with them other than we like this better. And so what happens is we, we tend to go over here. Well, in February, of, uh, February 12th, 2014, is a day that our community, not the world, but our community kind of went, ooh, that's a big deal. Uh, anybody know what happened on the 12th of February 2014? Just curious. Uh, it was the day we woke up and we began to watch Corvettes fall into a hole. Right? I mean, you'll see on the screen, I've, I've got the one millionth Corvette is, is the picture you're going to see. You'll see several pictures there. Just, a lot of you just go to a few of them there. You'll see where they pulled it out. The one millionth Corvette came out in 1992. It was the millionth Corvette. Corvette has been making cars since the 50s, and, and it had reached this million Corvette. And that's it. In fact, I shouldn't be telling this. You should be up here telling this. <laughs> I just realized you probably put that car together. Parts of it, you sure did. Um, so uh, Marilyn was uh, gold. Was, I was like, she worked there. She should have done this. Anyhow, they wake up, the millionth Corvette, the reason I picked this one is because they claim it's the most expensive car that fell in there. Now, it wasn't the oldest car, but it's the most expensive because it was the millionth Corvette. In fact, it's somewhere uh, valued at $750,000 or greater for this car. And so when they, they pull it out, they begin to try to examine it and determine how much damage is done to it. And then there's this whole other argument of, how do we fix it? Because we don't want to lose the value of the car. It's not like we want to go add newer parts to it because that takes away the value. So what can we salvage? What can we fix to get this car? 
back to where it needs to be. Well, as I think about that sinkhole this week, I was thinking about how that's very much like our lives. Uh, Matt Dean, who is the, who's at Western, he's the professor of civil engineering. In the, the art, one of the articles about the, the sinkhole says, we typically don't see sinkholes in buildings. We typically see them out in the fields. And what happens is, is sinkholes develop because there's something moving underneath the ground. There's water eroding the earth. And over time, as that erosion takes place, you begin to see the, the earth collapse. Well, that's how sin works. Sin in your life, sin in my life, begins to erode from the inside. People, people around us don't know we're living in a life of sin, but we're eroding. Until one day our sin is found out, and when our sin is found out, there's this big gaping exposure that we have. And so this morning I want us to talk about what happens in that moment. We find the people of Israel, they have gotten frustrated, and Moses has gone to the mountain to talk to God. The very mountain that they swore they would promise they would do everything that God told them. The mountain, they'd, they'd heard the voice of God. They'd heard the Ten Commandments. They'd heard everything. But Moses has been gone, and we don't know where this guy is, so let's be like everybody else. Everybody else has gods. In fact, Egypt had cows for gods. And so let's have gods, and Aaron takes the gold and fashions it together and makes them a golden calf. Well, today we come and we find ourselves with Moses coming down the mountain. And we see the effects of the sin. So if you have your Bibles and you're at Exodus 32, would you stand as we read God's holy word? You know, verse 15 says, Moses turned and went down the mountain with two tablets of the testimony in his hands. Those two tablets are what? The Ten Commandments. I just want to make sure everybody knows. And they were inscribed on both sides, inscribed front and back. The tablets were the work of God. And the writing was God's writing engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard, now Joshua, just catch you up, Joshua didn't get to go with Moses, but he's halfway. So when Joshua heard the sound of the people as they shouted he said to Moses he's come down to meet him there is a sound of war in the camp but Moses replied it's not the sound of a victory cry it's not the sound of a cry of defeat I hear the sound of singing as he approached the camp he saw the calf and the dancing Moses became enraged and threw the tablets out of his hand, smashing them at the base of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made, burned it up, and ground it to powder. He scattered the powder over the surface of the water and forced the Israelites to drink the water. Then Moses asked Aaron, What did these people do to you that you would have led them into such grave sin? Don't be enraged, my Lord, Aaron replied. You know yourself that these people are intent on evil. They said to me, make gods for us who will go before us because this Moses, the man who brought us up out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. 
So I said, whoever has gold, take it off. And they gave it to me. And when I threw it into the fire, it came out as this calf. When I threw it into this fire, it came out as this calf. Hmm. Let's pray together. Father, forgive us for the moments when we neglect our own sin. When we just believe it's somebody else's fault. When we look at our life and we blame our parents or blame our, our raising or we blame the government or we blame other people. Forgive us of that. May we take ownership of the sin that we create. The sin that we fall into. Forgive us of that sin today. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So as we set the stage, Moses has been up on the mountain. The people have set this, this golden calf in place. Joshua's about halfway. He didn't get to go all the way up. But he goes part of the way with, with Moses. He, they're coming down. Joshua's hearing it. Now, here's the deal. Moses is aware of what's going on because God has already told him. God has already told them he is frustrated because of what the people are doing. But it's kind of one of those things I think for Moses is, I, I really don't believe how bad it is. Um, it, it takes me back to 9-11, uh, sitting in a staff meeting, and uh, we get word in our church that there's been a plane that's hit the towers. We're, our, our church at that time didn't have have uh, the capability of watching TV or turning on the TV. So we didn't think much about it. we thinking it's a Cessna, it's something small. It's just clipped the tower, that kind of thing. Hour later, after we leave staff meeting, I get someplace where a TV is on. That's when I begin to realize how significant that was. I think that's Moses at this moment. God's enraged, and, and, and Moses has seen God enraged. It's the pe Moses, how many times does Moses have to go and say, God, <laughs> it's your people. These are your people. They are constantly doing this. In this moment, he comes down, and as he comes, he begins to hear. Then he begins to see. And it's a great big deal. Here's a big idea I want you to catch this morning. Sin leads us. Nope. There you go. Sin leads us away from God. Therefore, requiring a confession of sins to restore a relationship with God. Here's the thing. Sin, no matter how big or how small, leads us away from God. Leads us over here to our sin and our selfishness. Right? When we, it doesn't matter. You, you know, doesn't matter who told you it was a little white lies, no, not going to hurt anybody. Doesn't matter what it is. Anytime we fall into sin, which direction are we moving? We're moving towards sin. We're moving towards selfishness. And we're moving away from God. So in this text, I want to point out the sin and what is going on with the people of Israel. So the first thing I want you to catch is sin requires an acknowledgement. Sin requires an acknowledgement. There's this moment when Moses comes down from the mountain and he begins to look and he says, 
what is going on? What has happened? Did you notice nobody jumps up and says, we've fallen into sin. Everybody is, is enjoying the moment until he comes in and ruins the moment. It's kind of like everybody having a good time at the birthday party until somebody has to ruin it, right? It's like the substitute teacher at school. We, all things when we have a substitute teacher, not Jesse Reed, but when we have substitute teachers, we get away with everything. But then there's that one person who ruins it for all of us, and now they're going to tell us we got to turn in some work before the class is over. Gee, thanks. That's kind of this moment. Nobody wants to acknowledge sin. In fact, what we'll see in a moment is they, they do just the opposite. They point fingers. They, they decide it's not that big of a deal. Friends, sin is a big deal. Sin separates us from God. No matter how big, no matter how little, you're still separated from God. So we have to acknowledge the sin. Second thing is, sin carries with it a consequences. Sin carries a consequence. Now, we don't really know why Moses did what he did. I mean, there, there's no precedent here. Uh, there's no idea. Scholars just can't come up with a plan why Moses did it. But, but if you look at it, when Moses comes, he, 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 he gets angry and he takes the golden calf and he gets it to powder form. When he gets it to powder form, he takes it out to the river, he sprinkles it in the river, and then he says, you drink it. Now, we don't know why he does such a thing. Could it be, I mean, if it was me, I'd be so mad I'd make you want to drink that. You want to like that golden calf? You take that and you drink that golden calf. I don't know. Maybe it was a further destruction. You take it even further than the place where it was at. And desecration to that, that God. Could it be just to shame them? Sure. I mean, it could have been all those things. We don't know why, but here's the thing we know. Sin has consequences. Every time, listen, I don't know how it is in your house or what, how it was growing up at your house, but here's how it was at my house. If I got a whipping at school, I got a whipping at home. Right? I mean, no matter what, because if I got in trouble here, there was a punishment, there was a consequence here. I couldn't convince my parents one time to let the consequences be enough at school. No. If you get in trouble there, you're going to get in trouble at home. And so one time, I decided not to tell my parents. I got the consequences at school. Why would there be another one? All was good. Until the report card came out. Report card came out. I got a D. Earmuffs. I got a D in conduct. You laugh for it. It's a creative student. I have never in my life, my mother's not here, and if she's watching, hi, Mom. Um, my mother has a lead foot. I got my lead from, from her. I've never seen my mother or anyone turn a car around as fast as she did on a two-lane highway. It was, it was better than a NASCAR move. The day I got my report card, and she asked how I got a D in conduct, and I went, oh, I don't know. <laughs> she passed my teacher. 
going the other direction. She spun that car around on a dime and tracked him down. She got out of that car and went to have a word with him. I knew it was bad when she kept doing this number. There was consequences, not only for the bad grade. Now there were consequences for the misleading and the failure. Sorry, Bob, that just slipped my mind when that happened. Didn't work. Sin carries with it consequences. You and I, we live and we think we're getting away with, with, with something. The truth of the matter is it'll always catch us. Sin has a way of always working its way out. It's always makes it, rears its ugly head. And the longer we try to live a lie, the deeper we go down that hole. And the deeper we go down that hole, the greater the consequences are. We've seen people who've gone down a hole and tried to live two different lives, carry on two different personas, one here and one there. It doesn't surprise us anymore to learn of, of somebody who has a family in this community and they've got another family in this community. We, we, we hear stories like that. And they think they get away with it. Sin always has a way of rearing its ugly head and it always has consequences. The people of Israel, they, they had decided, hey, let's make this golden calf. There's consequences. And there's more consequences to come. It's just at this moment, the thing that Moses makes them to do is, we're going to ground that up and you're going to drink it. Let me just, I, I honestly think it's to shame them and degrade them. For them to understand, we'll take this God, we'll degrade this God. Help you know there's no such thing. That's the consequences. Third thing we see in this, this text is sin cannot be spun. Sin cannot be spun. Look what happens when Moses has a conversation with Aaron. Now, well, the reason I think Moses is in shell shock, you know, God is enraged and he, he, he's experienced that. But in the back of his mind, Aaron's there. He's not going to let anything bad happen. He's going, to, he's going to help them not to go off any edge. He's going to help them to... He's got the stupid rule. The stupid rule is if it's stupid, don't do it. It's real simple. We can't use that rule anymore for a variety of reasons because we don't understand what stupid is anymore. But Aaron is like... Or Moses like Aaron to keep it under control. But look what happens. Look at the scripture verse. He gets down and he says, uh, verse 21. <laughs> Moses asked Aaron, what did these people, now catch this. M- Moses is giving Aaron the benefit of the doubt. Okay? He's giving him the benefit of the doubt. What did these people do to you that have led you uh, that have led them into such grave sin. In other words, did they put you at, did they put a gun to your head? What did they do? I know you wouldn't have done this on your own. But do you remember in, last week? Does Aaron ever put up a fight over this? No. 
They come to him and says, we need a God. All right. He's the one who comes up with the idea, take all the gold out of your ears. Bring me all the rings. Bring it all to me. And he's the one who fashions the calf. So now when the consequences have been made, when the things have come out, Moses gives him the benefit of the doubt, and Aaron goes, um, and he begins to, to move it off of him. Moses, you know these people. You know their heart. You know how they are. It's, it's not my fault. He deflects the sin of himself and puts it to somebody else. We, t- we have a tendency to do that, don't we? We have a tendency to, to, to call somebody else's sin out, but we, re- we deflect our own sin. Well, you know, really, that's not sin. That's just, that's just taking care of things. You know, I, I, I have to do it this way. You, you don't understand. I, I, I started... I've started meeting with that man or that woman because things just aren't good at my house. So that makes it okay what you did? Well, he or she won't talk to me, so it's better to go talk someplace else? Well, I think the government just has way too much money, and so I, you know, I I just, you know, I just keep a little extra. You know, they don't, they're not going to check my taxes, you know, my employees don't catch it. I, I, can, I can skim a little off this. It, we come up with a variety of ways that we spin the sin that we're in. And, and nobody likes to be called out. Nobody likes to be called out. In fact, J.J. and I were this week having, we had to, be someplace together in Western for, for a meeting and driving back. His, his parents uh, managed a trucking company. Of course, that's, you know, when I was in Goodyear, I worked with that industry. and we were, we were just talking about that industry. And through the course of the conversation, I shared with him a moment in my life when I, I got sent home for three days because I caught my boss stealing. As I went in, I, I caught him dead to right. Knew that he was stealing. He was stealing all my name. Making, trying to do something different. And he spun the conversation around to say, I'm the boss. Are you going to question what I do? Well, yes. <laughs> I am. Because <laughs> you're not going to do it with my name attached to it. Got me three days at home. But it got me a whole lot more credibility with with. The company. Sin cannot be spun. No matter what you're doing today, you know it's wrong. So quit spinning it. Quit saying, this is my last time. Turn it over to God. Fourth thing we see in this text is sin should stir anger. Sin should stir anger. Now we didn't read, but if you go back in verse 10 of this text, you find where God is 
extremely angry at the people of Israel. Obviously, as Moses comes down, he, he has a conversation, and you know he's not happy. But think about it. Is that kind of the spirit that's in your life when you realize you've, you're going down a path you shouldn't be going? Do you come to a place in your own life where, where you, you get so angry because you fall into that sin? Listen, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one of us is perfect. No one of us will make it the rest of the day without falling into some type of sin, whether it's gossip, whether it's, you name it. We're all sinners. But, we, but it should anger us that we fall into that. Paul tells us that he has this tug of war going on in his life. What I will to do, I don't do. But what I hate to do is what I do. It's this tug of war internally that we're trying to do the right thing. But every time we do it, we sometimes fall into sin. Does that anger you? If it doesn't anger you, then I would tell you you should evaluate your relationship with God. Because the closer we get to God, the more we should dislike the sin that's in our, in our life. So let me give you three takeaways. How do, we, how do we take this? First, recognize the seriousness of sin. Recognize the seriousness of sin. When Moses comes down the mountain, he recognizes how serious this is. They, they have just... They've heard the voice of God. They know they're not to have any gods before him. No, nothing. They, they know this. This is not new news to them. They have just turned their backs on the God who brought them out of Egypt. When he comes down, what is he carrying in his two hands? The Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are written on the front and the back of these stones, and they're written by who? God. Notice what happens. When he comes down the mountain, Moses throws them down and shatters them. Now, you might be thinking, Moses in trouble. That's God's handiwork. And we see where Moses gets in trouble later on for, for striking the rock. But at this moment, Moses is not in trouble. Moses is reflecting the anger of God. Listen to verse 10. Verse 10, now leave me alone so my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. When Moses comes down, he recognizes the seriousness of the sin. He throws those tablets down. And I think at that moment, everybody gets the point, right? I mean, everybody knows Stop. Growing up, did your, did your dad ever have a look? Did your mom ever do a certain thing that when you got that, it was like, whoo, got to stop. Not going to do it again. For us in the Carter family, my dad loved to love on the whole family. Everybody thought he loved us because at church, when we were young, we all sat on the same pew. Mom played the, the uh, the organ at that time, I think. And she'd come, but she'd sit on the, on the aisle, but dad would scoot over. And here's Lee and I, 
I was probably the closest, Lee, than my sister. Angela would be as far out of arm's length as possible because she didn't do anything. But dad would, dad would keep his arm around the two of us. And if you know anybody in Ronnieville Baptist Church growing up, they will tell you everybody in the church knew when Lee and I were acting up. Because my dad could take his fingers and thump us in the back of the head. And it was a thump loud enough that everybody in the church knew. It's a wonder I don't have scars on the back of my head. But it was at that moment when that thump happened, you saw two boys straighten up. As we got older, we got smarter and we quit sitting with dad. Then it turned to the look. And the look meant, you got to come home sometime. We knew the seriousness of my father when those moments happened. Do we know the seriousness of our Heavenly Father when He calls us to, to live a life of faithfulness and obedience? If we know that, then we know that we need to take sin seriously. Because God doesn't like sin. Oh, He knows we'll never be perfect on this side of eternity. But we need to be working at it. We need to be working at it. Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is what, church? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Understand, when you recognize the seriousness of the sin, you understand every time you keep going down that path, you're dying to your, to, you're dying and allowing yourself to live. You're not dying so that God can live. You're dying so you can live. You're, you're killing that relationship between you and God. The second thing I want you to catch is, remember forgiveness removes the guilt, not the consequences of sin. Forgiveness removes the guilt, but not the consequences of sin. Now here's the thing. You know this. That story I told you about getting that, that grade and conduct, I can promise you I could have told my mother, and I probably did on other occasions, Mom, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? She would have said, absolutely. But when your daddy gets home, you'll pay for that guilt. Right? I mean, that's how it works. And for you and I, we, we have to understand that we can be set free of that guilt. But that consequences, if still got to be paid for. Now, a life in Christ, who pays the consequences? Christ. But then there's some things on this, on this earth we still pay the, the consequences for. Because we make poor choices. We can, we can ask our spouse to forgive us, and they might, but that doesn't mean that everything goes back to the way it once did. There's consequences. We can tell our employer we're sorry, but that doesn't mean they turn their back and we go back to normal. Sin has consequences. Ultimately, in Christ, Christ has paid our ultimate consequence that keeps us from hell. 
But even on this side of eternity, there's still consequences we have to pay. So we have to pay attention to that sin. John, 1 John 1, 9 tells us this. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. He'll give us a pure heart. He'll, he'll free us from that guilt. But in many ways, there's still consequences. The people of Israel would experience that over and over. They would find moments in which that consequences would cost them. It would cost them their relationship. So remember, forgiveness removes the, the guilt, but the consequences, but not the consequences of sin. It's still there. The third thing we see, third takeaway for us, is repentance is required to be right with God. Repentance is required to be right with God. Now, when we look at this text, we, we don't find this moment here. Um, but I couldn't leave us dealing with sin without talking about repentance. Because you and I need to understand repentance is required. And basically, that's what Moses is asking Aaron. And Aaron, rather than repenting of his sin, is trying to push it to somebody else. But if you want to, to have a life eternal in Christ, if you want to start moving towards God's will and away from sin and selfishness, there has to be repentance. There has to be a moment in your life where you acknowledge the sin that's so desperately taken you away from God and you turn towards God. Repentance is not just saying I'm sorry, but it's, it's I'm sorry and then doing something different. Luke tells us this in Luke 13, 3. No one I tell you but unless you repent, or no, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Listen, if we don't come to a place in our life and we repent of our sin, we'll all perish. Now, that doesn't mean if you're here and if you die in a tragic accident today before you get home, if you didn't ask God for forgiveness of something you've done, that you'll perish. It only means that if you've never asked Christ in your life. If you've got a relationship with Christ and you die, that relationship with Christ has already paid that price. But repentance is what's needed for us to move towards a godly life. Repentance is what's needed for us to move. Repentance is required to be right with God. So here's the thing. When you think back to these Corvettes, this million-dollar Corvette, or this millionth Corvette, they pulled up out of the hole. And you see the pictures are there of what it once was and what it's now, today. That's not the, that's not the original on the, on, on the right, you're right. That's not the original car. That's after they've repaired what's been done. They restored that car made it look like it was new. That's what Christ can do to your life. He can take you from the miry muck, the destruction, and make you new. But that's done by acknowledging the sin that's in your life, 
acknowledging that you can't overcome that sin. You can't, you can't change your life. You can't go from the old to the new without Jesus. It's by admitting you're a sinner, believing God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. It's confessing. It's confessing God. I need you. James 1.21 tells us this. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, uh, humble, receive the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Which is able to save your soul. Do you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you do this morning, hallelujah. But if you don't, today's the day of salvation. Maybe today is the day you surrender your life and say, I'm much like that wrecked Corvette that needs to be restored. And you go, I'm not worth that much. The Bible tells us when one person gives their life to Christ, there's a host, there's a party going on in heaven. A host of angels singing and shouting hallelujah. Oh, we miss it on this side of eternity, folks. The Pentecostals get it right. We're going to be, we're going to be nervous when we get to heaven because they're going to scream and shout and shout hallelujah. We just, that's another sermon for another time. You are worth more than that Corvette because you're in the image of God. If you're here this morning, you know Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. But maybe you're finding yourself always falling into the same sin that you always fall into. Today is the day of repentance. Maybe today you begin a new step. Maybe you come and you ask God for forgiveness. But maybe there's another step. Maybe you need to find somebody to have a conversation with so that they can hold you accountable. They can pray for you. In just a moment, as our hymn of invitation is offered. When you leave today, you can come right out this door, whether it's to confess your life to Christ or if you just want prayer and living a life that God's called you to, I'll be right out here. You come out here. Mike Thomason will be out there as well. You just come. Either one of us will pray with you, talk to you. You just give your life to Christ. You work to say it's all about him, not about me. This morning, if you're watching us on television, we want to encourage you. You can use this number, 270-681-2363. 270-681-2363. You can reach one of our pastors. We will pray with you and help you. We'll talk to you about church membership. We'll talk to you about salvation. We'll talk to you about just your prayer concern. You do that today. Would you stand with me?